0: Hi, I'm Ross. And I'm a Wizzy. Boy G willikers, I sure do love My Little Pony. It's okay, in the written form. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you didn't like reading. I think reading is a sin. Wizzy, surely you can't be serious. No, seriously. I believe reading is an act against God. No, I mean about My Little Pony. Oh. Well, don't get me wrong. My Little Pony is fine and all. But there's just so many other things I could be doing. Name one thing you could be doing. Breathing. Okay, well, name five more things you could be doing. Eating, sleeping, drinking, not watching My Little Pony, exercising. Okay, well, name eight more things. Socializing, playing with my Legos, contacting the dead, celebrating President's Day, establishing a colony on Mars, baking, being gay, reading My Little Pony fanfiction. Wait, what? Ross and Wizzy's Fanfiction Power Hour every week on wherever the hell you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Monday Show. Welcome to I see things a little differently. I am this little chemical. Hey, what is up, everybody? Uh, this is the I say the Monday Show, but it's really the wrestling show. This is what we talk about wrestling on Mondays, Wednesdays. We talk about. Uh, Pop culture, essentially Marvel, DC, all that good stuff, um, and I'm actually conflicted this Wednesday because I have not had a chance to watch the last two episodes that have dropped of Titans, so I think I'm just gonna watch that and then record it and make that the Wednesday show. Um, but it was announced, and we will get this, to this on Wednesday, obviously. But it was announced that for by Disney. That every movie that disney's dropping the rest of this year, this year will have 45 exclusivity on excuse me or in the theaters so shang chi did his job you guys did your job that's awesome i really wanted to experience these things in the theater or even just experience them at all you know so it's pretty awesome so it was without further ado let's get to the monday show let's get to some pro wrestling and today's show we're gonna hit a wrestler profile you guys liked it so much and i just honestly kept forgetting to do one i have another one that i recorded with, with triple h i'm just trying to remember if i did that or not and recording as much as i record right it's like you tend to just forget how much i like everything i'm doing i just tend to forget like what i do and what i don't and i usually when i'm done with files i erase them so I, I know i've done it for sure, it's for sure, it's like done, right? So I'm actually going to to hear from you guys. But this one I know for sure I haven't done. This one will be later on in the episode. It will be the profile on Brett the Hitman Hart from Survivor Series of 1995 until the end. We Since we've already covered the Montreal Screwjob and that has its own episode in the archives, you guys can go check on that. I will not be delving into that at all. But I will be delving into things that led up to it and... More details of how he makes Austin a star, etc. etc. It's my favorite era of Bret Hart, which is Pissy Bret Hart. To me, I didn't like Bret Hart before then. We'll get to this later on, obviously, but but just a little preview of it. I didn't like him until this era right here. So, anyways, let's get to some. mm, Let's get some news and notes first this week. Because I drink a, a swig of water. WWE, supposedly, according to Brian. And Dave Meltzer and others was going like Daniel Bryan worked dates in New Japan, worked in the G1 climax. But once again, it comes down to WWE didn't want it, exclusivity with New Japan of the talent they could use. So, right there, that hinders any progress of New Japan <laughs> or of the Forbidden Door. Of course, no you to see me doing air quotes. So, um, it's still cool to let them do it. And obviously, they wanted to keep Bryan. Why wouldn't you want to keep Bryan? You know. He's made it to two year WrestleMania, WrestleManias. You've seen him draw money, so he's he's one of the biggest stars in that company's history. Obviously, not no. When we say biggest stars, we're not talking about Austin level. That's Austin is so Austin's tier one. Hogan's tier one. Everyone else is below that. We know that. I, mean, I would put Rock in tier two, but we're just see. But he is a big star. People did pay their hard earned money to see him win that WWE championship. At WrestleMania 30, I was in the building. Trust me, that place went nuts. So, before I hear all these things, calm down, muchacho. Anyways, uh, Kevin Owens was a big topic of discussion this week. As it was revealed that as he did sign a new contract, because he was open about signing a new contract. Now, I remember this a couple years ago when he signed a new contract. It was a five-year deal that would last until 2023. Well, apparently, during the pandemic, they shortened a lot of contracts apparently other people that have not been named yet were uh sure short, had shortened contracts as well and it turns out that kevin owen's contract will end in january of 2022 and he has been and speaking about somebody that will fit into aew like do, do you guys remember after he won the universal championship what picture he posted this is when adam cole was still in roh when he won the universal championship Um, no, it was the NXT championship, right? Try trying to remember. He had just won a championship. Oh, I want to say it's the universal title so bad. But I think Adam Cole was in, uh... I think Adam Cole was in NXT by then. So, I'm going to say the NXT championship. He had posted a picture of himself and Adam Cole in a hotel room. They were just looking sad. Uh... Kevin Owens had a champion, I want to say it's the NXT championship now, and on his on his arm. Ab Cole had the ROH World Championship on his arm. He's friends with all these guys. I'm not saying he should go anywhere. I think he's been outside the Goldberg fiasco. He's been treated pretty well. Former Universal Champion. He's won the Intercontinental Championship. He's won the United States Championship. Only thing he has when his tag team is that's because he can't keep friends. He's turned his back on him. Um, this is going to be very. interesting. If, if, my gut feeling now is he's leaving. You know, he's he's been he's on social media being an absolute troll, having fun with this whole thing. I think he's going to leave though. You know, I think the goal of having the forbidden door open, being able to, as Daniel, as Brian Danielson said, push your limits to do whatever it is you essentially want to do. Like look at what look at what Moxley's doing. Even if you don't think his matches are the greatest, and you hate him, and you hate death matches and whatever the freak, he's able to wrestle whoever he wants. He's able to put, he's able to help New Japan. He's able to show respect to his past, and he looks like he's having a fun time doing it. Like I'm sure he misses elements of WWE, but like to work a full time scheduler and to not be able to do what you want to do that kind of kills you as a creator, you know, and I'm sure I have a ton of creators that listen to this, dude, 10,000 of you, and we're growing, listen to this Monday show, I keep track of the numbers, you know, Wednesday show is growing too, it's at between 2k and 5k, which is disappointing, but I understand, you know, um, as we get more content for the Wednesday show, but like 10k of you listening, that's growing every day, like, come on, dude, you, you know what I'm saying, like, it's just, what it comes down to is just, as a creator, you guys know, like, you, when you when you feel you're, you're being held back, is one thing, if you're holding yourself back, it's another, you know, so, my gut feeling is he's gone, but also another topic of suggest, uh, discussion was, uh, apparently Sami Zayn's contract comes up in this year, like, before Kevin Owens. Those two are so connected to hip. They, they are truly best friends. And I'm not saying that best friends can't part, because as you see, Christian left for AEW. Um, and Edge is obviously never leaving WWE. Um, I can see both of them going, though. I can just see both of them going. And whatever Sami Zayn does is going to be telling what Kevin Owens does, in my opinion. I think those two are going to make a decision together. And... My gut feeling is they're both gone, so that will be something to be watched, TBW. Um, but anyways, the supposed plan for Adam Cole Bay Bay, and this got a lot of people mad. And at this point, people just are so furious with WWE, especially after they produced what I've heard people say is two of the best hours of television all year long, which is high. High praise to take a swig of water. People are so pissed off at WWE. Anything they do or do not do <laughs> is going to be just magnified times 50. And, um, like, it, apparently the plan was for Adam Cole to become a manager with a different name on the main roster, with a heel, freshly heel-turned Keith Lee, Something similar to the Bobby Lashley-Leo Rush situation. First of all, I cannot imagine why he was not... You're going to hit kids in the background. Sorry about that. Uh, I can't imagine why he was not excited to do that. Um, You would essentially put one of the best talents, wrestling-wise, on the sideline. And... Leo Rush was the same way, but Leo Rush to me was... They saw him as a cruiserweight. So, <laughs> in many in many situations, they might consider him called cruiserweight on the main roster. Um, but to me, to me, obviously, he, he dodged the bullet. Obviously, he probably had great conversation with Vince and just said, you know what, this is not for me. Let me go off and be happy and do my thing. And Vince just said, oh, cool, why not? You know? But there's no reason to be mad about these people. He did not do it. He is... Hey, he's actually having his first match on Dynamite this week against the Elite Hunter, Frank Kazarian, which he will obviously win. Um, So just just, just calm down the anger. It is going to be okay. (laughs) Uh, Triple H wishing him a speedy recovery as he had some type of cardiac event and he had a procedure and it says he's doing well. We have not heard from the game himself, but everyone's wishing him well. Uh, I wish him well as well. Um, and last thing on a serious note, McFoley had made some comments saying that WWE is in trouble. And apparently, a lot of people in WWE are not happy with McFoley. But McFoley has been. He, I think he's always had this relationship with WWE, even when he was a contracted talent. Where once he won that WWE championship, I don't think it's ego. I think it's just treat me fairly. You know, which I don't think is the wrong mentality, as a matter of fact. I think it's the right mentality to have um he's always had that outspoken things where when he needs to go he needs to go i think this was even on his dvd and jim ross said he says mick foley's had this thing where he's like all right it's cool me and vince aren't getting along right now let me go away and come back you know but mick foley's an honest guy he's friends with a ton of people in the in the in the industry um and he's well respected obviously and i think he's just one of those people that's kind of like what, what what the hell you know like these are facts, you know. And even Booker T, who is WWE, he said, I agree with McFoley. We need to get our ass in gear. And he said we as in, like, he's repping WWE. Um, and to me, I think that's what made SmackDown for some people so frustrating was the fact that it was great television. Yes, yeah, some matches got cut, like Selena Vega and Carmella and Liv Morgan. And a lot, a lot of people were mad about that on the eve of 9-11. Um, but people were just praising the show. Now, obviously, you have the garden, you have Reigns, you have Lesnar, you have the demon returning. It's just a lot of elements you have. You're not going to always have that. But, I mean, a lot of people are mad about that, you know, um, which is interesting. But um, I do think there was something to what Mick Foley said. The fact that WWE Raw, the A Show, air quotes again, lost the ratings war to AEW Dynamite. Like, SmackDown is clearly the A-show for WWE, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. SmackDown, even when WWE Raw was doing 5 million viewers, was still the A-show for when they had the the, the SmackDown 6. That was the A-show. You know, people, that is a very beloved era. It should be. It was great television. Anyways, I just wanted to mention that because some people brought it up to me. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. And the last bit of news and notes... Apparently, the WWE Championship match that was supposed to happen at Extreme Rules on September 26 has now been switched to this Monday. As you hear this, it'll be tonight, and it will be Bobby Lashley defending against Randy Orton. That was supposed to happen at Extreme Rules. I'm assuming this is in regards to Monday Night Football returning, and this is the thing that always kills Raw. I, I do. Pray for the, the the die-hard WWE fans that Raw does not go under one million because of Monday Night. It, it, it's very possible. It's always taking hits for Monday Night. WWE even at its hottest never beat Monday Night Football to my knowledge. You know, even when Monday Night Football have blowouts, it's still football. It's still only now it's 17 weeks for sure. But like it's still football. It's still one and done as opposed to. Raw is 365 days a year, you know, like, you, you get my point. Um, So I do pray for you diehard fans. Like, as, as you guys all know, I'm obviously a wrestling fan. I'm I'm a diehard fan, you know, but there are some weeks I don't watch Raw. I watch the clips of Raw and just take down notes for the show. Or, I mean, like, I watched the, the Triple Threat match between Damian Priest, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre, you know. But, like, and I'm not going to be, and, I've, I've, and you guys know my show. I don't sit here and just bash Raw. I don't sit and just bash WWE. I laugh, but some of the stuff is freaking funny. I'm sorry. Um, but Raw isn't a good show. You know, SmackDown, to me, is a good show. It's a great show. It could be a great show, actually. But um, this is obviously in, in regards to that. To me, it is very possible, much possible. It is very much possible that Big E could cash in and win the WWE Championship just to have a moment of pop rating on the show. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not predicting that. But uh, don't be surprised if, the, in order to pop a rating, they they have Big Because I, I still think Big E is cashing in on Bobby Lashley after the way he did the Kofi. I still think there's a lot of moves being made. Like, I think Edge, not Edge, I think that Drew McIntyre is going to SmackDown. And it just, it just looks like Big E has done everything he can do with the, the exception of facing the bloodline. And it looks like they just have long-term plans for, the, for Reigns to never lose that championship until probably WrestleMania. Because here's the thing. With them not being able to get Rock until the WrestleMania 38, I just don't see them losing that. Or who, I don't know who he would lose that title to. Because if we lose that title to, it, w- it would benefit them greatly, which would be Big E, you know? And I, don't get me wrong, I would love to see a Bobby Lashley-Roman Reigns match at Survivor Series. I, I'm just saying how... I don't know how that works with him getting... My prediction was Big E was going to win the Royal Rumble. Um, But money and bank changes a lot of things. But um, don't be surprised to see a potential... And he's not losing that cash. Whoever championship he cashes in on, he's winning. So I would not be surprised if he does it this Monday. Anyways, let's get to SmackDown. This was, as I just said, some people would consider this the best two hours of television all year from WWE. Um... Bloodline starts out and Reigns said, you guys need to acknowledge me. They shared his name. They acknowledged him. Um, then Brock Lesnar came out, confronted the bloodline. Paul Heyman said, Brock, I don't understand why you can't go after another championship. Brock said, well, why don't you tell? Why don't you ask Roman? I got a question for you. Why don't you tell Roman why you I have a question for you? Why didn't you tell Roman I was showing by SummerSlam? And that got... Reigns looking at Lesnar funny, he snatched his championship away from him, and then they left, and then uh, right before they can leave, Brock said, before Reigns fires you, authorize me to get a universal championship match. When Paul wouldn't do it, he he hoisted him up for an F5, Reigns came back, hit him with a Superman punch, then he went for another one, uh, Lesnar caught him, and then uh, the Usos came in, gave him stereo kicks, and then took a beating for the family. Um, this was a great opening segment. Um, this was fun. Um, I know some people are not looking forward to this match. I think the dynamic has changed so much to where I am looking forward to the match, even though we know what it's going to be. Um, but the, the roles are, should be reversed. There should be less of Suplex City and more of Reigns talking trash in the camera like he's been doing. So we will see how they book it, but I am looking forward to it. Um, the thing that got some nuclear heat was when Sami Zayn, <clears throat> excuse me, brought out Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks, who was in the garden, who did the bow after the Hawks eliminated the New York Knicks earlier this year. He got some nuclear heat here, which was freaking hilarious. Sami Zayn is great. Um, I, I think they should do more with him. And then finally, at the end of the, the night, <clears throat> after weighing his options, and saying and being pretty angry the entire time. Uh Reigns accepted Lesnar's challenge. said, I'm going to smash you right after I smash Finn Balor. And right on cue, the Demon comes out. Now, it looks like it's going to be the Demon versus Reigns for the Universal Championship Extreme Rules. The last time we saw the Demon, I believe, wasn't it at WrestleMania where... Yeah, wasn't that WrestleMania where um, he defeated Bobby Lashley for the Intercontinental Championship? I believe that was the very last time we saw the Demon. Um, yeah, I think it was. I think it's the very last time we saw the Demon. And remember, the Demon's only loss, it's not on the main roster. The Demon's only loss is actually an NXT and Steel Cage house match where he lost the NXT Championship to Samoa Joe. So Samoa Joe's the only one to have that distinction. It looks like Reigns will have the the distinction of being the only one to beat the Demon on the main roster as well. So looking forward to that match. And I know it's just, he doesn't really change up many of his moves, but it's fun to see the Demon. You know, I prefer the NXT Finn Balor, but, you know, well, you, you can't be picky sometimes. You got to be happy. So AEW. <clears throat> Let's hit Rampage first. Uh, <clears throat> to me, the only thing, <clears throat> Excuse me. Still get my voice back. I lose every now and then when I talk so much. Um, Took a while right there. Uh, To me, the only thing on Rampage that was worth it was Andrade uh, Idolo. Defeating Pac in a really good match. And obviously these are recorded shows. So the crowd's not going to be as high as it would be normally. Because they're recording it after Dynamite. Um, But the thing that was noteworthy was Andrade... Didn't like that he cheated to one. Yeah, he was in the uh, the Rings of Saturn. I forget what uh, Pac calls it. And Chavo nails uh, Pac with the, the iPad c- causing him to lose. And then Andrade nails Chavo. Essentially kicking him out and saying, you're not my advisor anymore. A lot of people are speculating that this is the way Ric Flair will make his debut as Freaking uh, Andrade Ali Lowe's manager. I mean, he's been through two already. Why not a third? I don't. I'm not a big fan of this. And this is going to be blasphemy for a lot of reasons for some people. Flair obviously can cut the promo. Obviously, Andrade cannot cut a promo in English. I um, I just don't know what he adds to Andrade. Now he can get physical. We've seen that Triple A, and if that's going to be the case, then that's one thing. But I'm I, I don't know I I don't know. It's just it's just because sometimes Flair just goes off script for so much. It's like I don't understand exactly what where they're gonna go with this. I guess does it I don't know if that makes sense or not. Um. He's only had two matches in AEW anyway. One against Sydal and one against Pac. Um, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not excited. Some people are very excited. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I know he needs a talker. I know that. Uh, a mouthpiece. I, and I know he really wants Charlotte and his family in AEW. He really loves like, He's obviously engaged to her. But he really wants to flirts in AEW. I just, uh, I don't know. Anyways, that's your Rampage notes. AEW Dynamite. The match between Moxley and Suzuki uh, fell a little rushed. There was because it cut Suzuki's entrance. Um, they have a ton of... Someone had a great line. They said, AEW Dynamite, a great show, sh- long on talent, short on time. And sometimes it's best. You know, sometimes they just have to time their matches better, time their shit better, too. You know, sometimes people just can't go over. You know, um, but also at the same time, they do do things on dark and dark elevation, and I do think sending uh, sometimes playing those clips on Dynamite can help us know what exactly what's going on, um, and it won't things like this won't happen. But you know, sometimes it's good. You no, know, leave them wanting more. So I'm not complaining about that. Uh, Daniel Bryan came out to confront Kenny Omega, and it looks like this is where they're going. I don't, I just don't see them. I don't know when they would have that match. And there's no word on Hangman yet. I don't know if Hangman's wife has even had the baby yet. Um, but <clears throat> I don't think that, Archer, that Arthur Ashe thing is going to happen. Like, now we do know the match. one match is going to happen at Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's going to be Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. Cody needs to lose that match. He needs to lose. <clears throat> Jesus. He needs to lose that match. He needs to lose. Um, otherwise, I don't think anything else is announced for Arthur Ashe, is it? I haven't seen anything yet. Unless I'm missing something. Someone will tell me. But, um... I just don't think they're going to rush that match to Arthur Ashe. That is a match you need to make people pay to watch. You know? Unless Omega... Unless... Uh, not Omega, unless Hangman uh, is taking an extended period of time off. I just don't see him... um, Or them putting that bell on Brian. Unless they're taking a... Unless... Uh, Hangman's just saying, you know what? I'm off the rest of this year, and that would suck. And that means that just changes the entire dynamic of where where things are going. But you know what? Some people, so some people, family's worth more. You know, um, I don't know what to do with Hangman when he comes back if Omega doesn't have that championship. But we'll see. Uh, Punk, who was talking, and saying he's gonna leave it in the people's hands. That was short-lived as Team Taz got offended, or Taz got offended, should I say. And, um, looks like, uh, we are getting a, Uh, he might run the gauntlet. You know, obviously the match that I'm looking forward to seeing is Punk and Starks. Um, that would just be absolutely fun to watch. Um. But I, I, I like this. I know some people didn't like it, but then they didn't, they didn't like Punk vs. Team Taz, but they didn't like they're rushing the Brian Omega match already. It's like, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Calm down. Someone needs to be in the mid-card. Someone needs to be in the main event scene. Period, bottom line. Omega needs a new challenger. And if Hangman isn't coming back anytime soon, someone has to be there. Christian Cage is out. He lost his championship match. Someone has to be up next. We still have, what, was what, Revolution? No, that's not, that. Full Gear. We still have Full Gear coming in two months, or less than two months. They did they, they to start a build for it soon. So, calm down. And finally, even though Adam Cole's been getting some cheers, the one thing that you can do to get him some heat is he he confronted Tony Schiavone about his love for Britt Baker, and I love this because I, <clears throat> I loved how he's getting cheered, but yet, like, there's certain ways to get him heat and everyone loves Tony Schiavone and everyone knows the relationship he has with Britt Baker and I'm, I'm just curious to see where the, what the hell is going on here um I, you guys can hear him outside my window so sorry about that but I need the window off because I can't have the AC going or the fan going off, so I, you guys will hear that um but it's, like, what, it's, like, it's like that's one way to get him heat is that you know so I liked it I liked that he was mean to it and I thought saw one of the best some people in there are just great. Um, he, Someone put together Tony Giovanni, and then they showed a the clip, and then they switched to another clip of CeeLo Green's um, F.U. song, which is just hilarious. I see you riding around town with the girl I love. It's just fantastic to watch. So, anyways, those are your news and notes for my next show. We're going to hear a little DJ Scratch, and then we're going to get to the wrestler profile this week, which will be Brett the Hitman Hart. Enjoy, everybody, as we will do more of these, I definitely promise. Welcome back to the show. This is the wrestler profile, Bret Hart, 95, well, Survivor Series 95 until Survivor Series 97. We have more quiet now. I was going to record everything all the way through, but as you guys heard in the first part, it was kids yelling like, it's a lot calmer now a lot more peaceful and that's what i was kind of waiting for it's, lot, it's also a lot cooler so i can keep the window open but like if i close the window i have no fan no whatever and it's just hot so um i don't like you guys that much um <laughs> but anyways let's get to this so the reason why i chose this is because to me oh and before we get to this as a matter of fact if something i didn't say in the first part i wanted to say that, um I forgot to write in my notes, actually. So, apparently, CM Punk, WWE, for Fox, wanted WWE to offer CM Punk a contract so badly that they were willing to help pay his salary. They would have taken on a portion of CM Punk's salary, so he still would have been essentially a Fox employee as well. Like, AEW has a ton of momentum, and WWE isn't going away. Let's just get that clear. But to me, it just shows how much Fox wants wwe in the monday night wars or the war or the wrestling wars air quotes i'm doing air quotes you can't see me doing air quotes to come back you know i truly believe fox believes in wwe that like, they can be good like smackdown's constantly over two million viewers like smackdown can get over four million viewers. i i truly believe that right Raw can um but smackdown can and i truly believe fox really be- usa is just with, with USA, in my opinion, is more of this has been our this has been the thing that's lasted us the longest. Our original programming is officially like like I don't know anyone that still watches USA original programming. Um, before they had all sorts of shows: suits, burn notice, uh, white collar. Or, um, it was a bunch of stuff like you that I, I'm not saying it was destination television, but it was enter, it was entertaining television that a lot of people enjoy. You know, I think I watched a maybe a couple seasons of white collar and then it got to be the same for me and i stopped watching it um and i kind of saw where i don't know actually i have no clue how it ends but i started thinking that i was gonna see how it ends and so i was kind of just like i'm not interested anymore you know um sometimes doing this school thing and like learning more about the writing aspect of it's cool to tone your craft and hone your craft sometimes it just ruins some things for me though but anyways I truly believe Fox believes in WWE, and they really want to compete with AEW, and my thought is just, you know, that's just a huge, that's that's huge, but look here, you gotta be happy with where you're going, man, Punk was never going back to WWE, I do believe Punk will be in the WWE Hall of Fame one day, I do, I mean, there is no such thing as, a, like, the same way people didn't really give credence to WWE Hall of Fame until Bruno San Martino and Macho Man got in. There is no wrestling Hall of f- no real wrestling Hall of Fame, air quotes again, until you get certain people in there. But um, anyways, that's I just wanted to say that, but let's get to this. But anyways, the reason why I started at Survivor Series 95 is because to me, this is when I started liking Bret Hart. Like, I remember watching Survivor Series 95, and it was in Maryland. I was living in, I was living in Maryland at the time, off and on between the South and Maryland. Well, technically Maryland and the South. Um, and, um... And I remember vividly when, like, he tied up Brett, uh, Diesel's shoes and rolled him up. And all always see his Diesel come up and he, he yelled, fuck. I remember, like, okay, that's cool. You know, I just remember this. There was a different edge to Bret Hart at this time, you know. And I remember in his DVD, he, which he, he always sounds better. Um, but he said, well, instead of me having my time as champion, they wanted Sean to have it. But it was like, how long did you want the fucking belt, dude? Like, I, I, like that was my, always my issue with Bret. It was like... Dude, he just looked like he took himself way too seriously. And as you hear him in interviews now, you know he does. He's still one of the greatest to ever do it. But to me, I just always felt like that's the vibe I got from him was... Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong taking your stuff... Like To me, Bret Hart was Cena before Cena. Cena. Cena did what Bret did on steroids. All the Make-A-Wish stuff. Like, all that stuff was Bret... Like, to me, Bret Hart was that guy. So, nothing to ever take that away from him. I'm just saying, for me as a fan... like. And it wasn't that I was, like, a pro Shawn Michaels. I hate Bret. No. I, like, one of my favorite matches of all time, I, I got this VHS dating myself. And it had that classic Monday Night Raw match between Bret Hart and One Two Three Kid for the WWE Championship, where it was a great match. And I remember, like, being a huge One Two Three Kid fan and, like, knowing he wasn't going to win, but just hoping he put up a fight. And he put up a great fight, you know. Uh, and he eventually tapped out to the sharpshooter. But, um, look, like, like, he's classic matches galore it just came down to i just don't like i just don't care for people that take themselves so seriously it's like ugh, it's exhausting dealing with people like that if that makes any sense so anyways um so i just didn't do it for me but around this time it was different i remember watching that him getting the belt and i wasn't happy that he got the belt but he is right when he says that it was like he didn't, he wasn't a transitional champion by any stretch. A transitional champion is someone who keeps, like, he was a transitional champion for when he won the match at Fatal Four Way and lost it the next night to Sid. That's transitional. He held the belt for for five months. He went in November, well, four months. Um. Either way, it's not transitional, but you could tell Sean's momentum was just building, even though he was out at this time, because he was out. And we're going to do a wrestler profile next week on Shawn Michaels from the same time frame. Um, you could just tell that Sean's momentum was building. Even though he was out of action, he was just connecting with the fans. It was just different, if that makes any sense. Um, and so, but Brett was getting this edge. Brett was a heel. To, in my opinion, Brett was a heel right here. Because he starts. that's when he starts kind of complaining. Even if it was subtle complaints. It's kind of like that coworker that's like, well, I always do this. But I can be a team player and do it again. Like, yeah, we get it. You do it. Like, are right, we getting muchacho? Like, you dig what I'm talking about? Like, he's that. He became that person. So to me, he was a heel before the double. It just took a year, a year and a half for it to happen officially. Air quotes again. And so, um, and I, I wrote down notes, but I know every. I mean, I know this timeline. Like, like, like this time frame from like 94 to like 90 to 2000. I don't actually need the notes. I can just I write them down, but I just know that era so well. I just haven't forgotten much about it. Um, I just love wrestling at the time. Anyways, um, so he wins the title from Diesel for the third time, and so um, Diesel turns heel in the process. The very next night, he's now he's back to being big. He's being big daddy cool that night. Anyways, the next month you go on to in your house and Bridge Bulldog and. Bret Hart have a great match. It's actually a really underrated, never spoken about match. Uh, this is when British Bulldog was in Camp Cornette. This was a bloody... Bret was bloodied up and everything. This is a really good match. Um, and But then this leads into the Royal Rumble 96. And we've talked about, it said, we've talked about a lot of this on the Montreal Screwjob episode. So that's in the archive. So if I skip over or gloss over some stuff, just go back there. I literally go into every detail possible um that's that you can with it. Um but he goes there, he is about to be pinned by the Undertaker. He gets tombstoned. Well Diesel pulls the ref out, which then this begins their their feud between Diesel and the Undertaker, as Diesel then gives the middle finger to the Undertaker in the hallway or in the rampway. Uh so Brett is saved. Then the very next month in your house, Brett is versus Diesel in a steel cage. Um, this is the infamous moment where Diesel refused. Well, Brett refused to take Diesel's finish, which led to the Undertaker stepping up and saying, This makes our match mean more. But Brett refused to take the jackknife as he did not want to look weak. Uh, this is the, where Undertaker drags uh, Diesel into the depths of hell while Brett climbs the cage and wins. So essentially, because they're feuding, he got away with the belt both times. Either way, if you. If you don't like Brett, you're going to say look weak either way, right? So it doesn't fucking matter. But anyways, then this leads to his Iron Man match with Shawn Michaels. The first time an Iron Man match was ever really promoted on a WrestleMania. We know how they used to have our broadways all the time back in the day. But it's the first time WWE actually promoted an hour-long match. Like, you know you're in for an hour. Um, this match is, has a love-hate relationship with the fans. Some people really love this match, and some people think it's highly overrated so here's my thing i think it's not overrated i think the story they were trying to tell was perfect for what they were trying to tell and when you hear them talk about it, they said look here if we keep pinning each other it shows that we neither one of us deserve to be here the story was they couldn't beat each other within an hour so they need to go past an hour that was the story they were trying to tell the stories we've seen later on and I will say, much better and entertaining Iron Man matches was different. Like they were using steel chairs and stuff. There was no. You have two baby faces here. I can't think of another Iron Man match where there was two baby faces for an hour. I, I, it was always a heel in the face. You know, the only thing that was really violent, violent in this was when Brett is sitting on the timekeeper. And Shawn Michaels super kicks He tries to super kick Bret Hart Bret Hart moves And, the, super, and the, the timekeeper gets super kicked You know But like they didn't use any weapons Like you've seen Iron Man matches now Where Crangle will hit a guy with a steel chair Beat him down Put him in the ankle lock Angle slam him Get two straight falls But he'll take one fall away Because he wants to get two falls up You know what I'm saying Or one fall up um, So like they were telling a different story So to me I think it's just What it's supposed to be you know, now me being a fan in this era, such a fan of this era, to me having the culmination of Shawn Michaels winning the WWE championship, some of the moments were just fantastic, like the zip line and when he jumped outside and and like we see some of it in slow motion and Bret catching him, like, or Shawn crying when he wins the WWE championship. To me, this kind of encapsulated what this needed to be. So I think it's just there. It's just good. Perfect for what it's supposed to be. One was Brett loses, and then Brett goes off television. And he was actually thinking about retirement at that time, because he had got cast in some television show. He thought that was going to be the next thing, next chapter in his life. But then it turned out to not be a thing. Well, as all this is going on, Steve Austin is now ascending. And you have the Madison Square Garden situation, the curtain call, where Triple H was supposed to win the King of the Ring in 96, get $150,000, he was punished, so then they put Austin in place. And Austin wasn't Austin was over, but Austin was not like he was getting over, but he hadn't had that feud yet. Like here's the thing. He beat a sympathetic Jake Roberts in the finals. Then he feuded with Jake Roberts through uh most of the summer, but he was on the kickoff show to ninety six SummerSlam against Yoko Zuna in a two minute match. He wasn't hot yet. And then all of a sudden, you hear rumblings of Bret Hart coming back. And I remember this vividly. Because this is when they had superstars on Saturdays. And Vince was still hosting superstars. And it was like an in-studio show or whatever. And they would do recaps and everything. And um, I remember vividly, that's when you start hearing Brian Pillman and Austin talk about Bret Hart. And you you have Austin staying in line. "If you put an S in front of the hitman. That's why I think of Bret Hart. And so... um, Then Pillman gets Pillmanized. That's where the term Pillmanized comes from by Austin. Austin just is on a tear just going through, like just just talking about Bret Hart. So Bret Hart finally returns and says, I will face Steve Austin at Survivor Series. (coughs) Excuse me. And um, this turned out to be a number one contenders match. It wasn't really promoted heavily as a number one contenders match, but the reason I remember it is because of how random it was that they just announced it like, I think a week or two before that, it would then turn into a number one contenders match, right? So, um, this was a great match. Now, they would end up having a better match, which we'll get to in a second. But this was a good match where a Million Dollar Dream is put on Bret Hart, and Bret Hart ends up getting out of it and doing essentially the same move he did to Riley Piper at WrestleMania. What WrestleMania was that? Was it Seven? No. It wasn't a series of palace. It wasn't nine. I think it was WrestleMania eight, um, where he actually pinned Roddy Piper. He was a, he was a first, I think only person in WWE history to pin Roddy, Roddy Piper, which is a fruit roll up fun fact there for you kids. Um, When was he pins him? And to me, that match is a match that made people take a a notice to Austin. And according to Bret Hart, when he he knew he was coming back, he specifically asked to work with Austin. Apparently he saw Austin coming before Austin knew he was coming. According to Brett. Um, Well, anyways, then you get to... It's time. In your house, December of 96. Where you have Psycho Sid versus Bret Hart for the WWE Championship. Um, Due to outside interference by Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart loses the match. Well, after the match, a brawl ensues between Shawn and Bret, where Shawn ends up having his shirt pulled over his head and punched, and those two end up fighting. And it was already announced that Shawn Michaels would be getting his rematch for the WWE Championship at royal rumble the very next month in january because it was in san antonio texas well Bret Hart is now in the royal rumble this is the austin royal rumble 98 was a foregone conclusion who's gonna win there was no one else that was gonna win even if you look at the field rock wasn't rock yet <laughs> you know it wasn't it wasn't happening right this was the Austin Rumble because he's stunning people. He's talking trash. He's looking at his wristband, looking for the. Um, looking at his watch. Then you hear the Bret hit, uh, Hitman's music, and you see Austin put his hand on his head. And you see him saying, "Come on." You see Brett point. You know they end up fighting, and that's when the Royal Rumble slows down a lot. And then you have all these other random people come in because it was really, to me. It was fast paced in the early going in '97 Royal Rumble. Then once Brett and Austin came in, the, the Elimination started slowing down. Everything kind of just came to a halt, and um, and it's not a knock or it's just what I noticed. And so I've seen that Rumble, whew, over ten times. Um, it's not my favorite Rumble, but I think for me, that Rumble. My fandom was just crazy at that time. It was just different. I watched th- everything over and over and over. Um but anyways, um we end up having controversy as Brett eliminates Austin. But prior to that, Mick Foley will Mankind and Terry Funk take these other each other over the top rope and this is where that bruce pritchard line comes from because the night before a shotgun saturday night is when terry funk said your mom's art you know whatever he says and so those two are fighting they eliminate each other and they're fighting on the outside brett tosses austin the crowd goes crazy but the referees are too consumed with mick and with funk so austin comes in eliminates are vader Bret Hart eliminated the fake diesel, Glenn Jacobs, Kane, and then, which is the same person, and then Austin eliminates Bret, and by the time Austin tosses Bret, the refs come back in see this, they tell him to ring the bell, Austin is officially your winner, because the refs never saw it, so then Bret goes outside, he has McMahon by his shirt, he's like, you see this, this is bull, and Austin's officially going to WrestleMania, or so you think it is announced that the I think the next night is announced that it will be a fail 4 match and that will determine the winner that will go on to face the WWE Champion at WrestleMania 13 it will be the final 4 in the match Big Van Vader, The Undertaker Bret Hart and Steve Austin now at the time it was just for the number 1 contendership because it was supposed to be Bret versus Shawn in a rematch where Bret was supposedly supposed to go over according to Bret Hart so, then you fast forward to Raw Thursday Raw, where Shawn Michaels has now vacated the WWE Championship because he's lost a smile, the infamous promo. Now the failed four-way match is being put up as the WWE Championship on the line. So now the stakes have gotten higher. And this match is like, it's a weird, I have a weird relationship with this match because it wasn't a bad match, but I do think me as a fan, that Shawn Michaels announcement knocked the wind out of any interest I had in WrestleMania. Like, I was looking forward to seeing Shawn at WrestleMania with the, with the defending the championship, right? Anyways, um, and then what ended up happening was in the failed forward match. It's not a bad match. It's just there because there's also weird rules. It was a failed forward match, but you can be eliminated three ways. Pinfall, submission, or over the top rope. But you can go outside and fight and everything as long as it's underneath the ropes and all that sort of stuff. And everyone got eliminated over the top rope. So, Veyra's going for a Vera bomb on, I believe, Austin. Undertaker gives him a low blow, Vera goes over the top rope, and Vera's face was bloody in this match. Then, Undertaker eliminates Austin over the top rope, and as soon as he eliminates him, Bret turns Undertaker around, clotheslines him over the top rope, back-to-back eliminations. It was very, I know fans cheered. It was very anti climactic because no one actually took a pinfall or submission. It was kind of like a mini, essentially, it was a mini battle royal with rules of pinfalls and submissions. Anyways, Bret Hart becomes a four time WWE champion. Only the second man to accomplish that feat at that time. So, the very next now in Raw, you have Sid who now wants his rematch for the WWE championship, which he has. So, Bret Hart has Sid in the sharpshooter. And this is the moment we're talking about transitional champions. Austin comes out while the referee Earl Hebner is looking at Sid, asking if he wants to submit. Austin nails Brett with a steel chair, leaves. Brett ends up getting powerbombed, and Sid becomes a two time WWE champion. Now, it gets kind of convoluted from this point. You see, clearly see they're going with Austin Brett at WrestleMania. I don't know how Undertaker got in the mix because Undertaker didn't actually win. But I think he was just announced. That he was getting a championship match against Sid, right? Um, and even Jim Cornette in a sh- shoot interview said that that was the according to Vin, according to him, Vince said no one else can face Sid. Taker will be the one to take a bell off him. You know, he had no one else at the time to do it. So um, then you have fast forward to now you have Bret Hart's rematch for the WWE Championship one week before WrestleMania 13. So it's it's that blue steel cage. as bread is Sid. I remember this. Match, I remember this match had so much intrigue because now this determines the main event of WrestleMania. Now you have Brett feuding with Austin, and if Brett wins, then all uh, him and Austin's submission match is for the WWE Championship. And now you just have Sid and Undertaker for reasons. So everyone in their mama interfered in this. It finally came down to Brett opening the cage, he's about to walk out, he's like celebrating too early, which is so much not like Bret Hart. Rantiger slams the cage door in his face. He, sl- he, call- he collapses. Sid drops down, retains his title. And this is where I officially became a Bret Hart fan. Bret takes a mic, pushes Vince down, says, This is bullshit! And he goes off on the greatest end of Raw rant in history. I don't care what anyone says. He just was cursing. It was like, it was it wasn't a promo it was actually how he felt you know and to me i believe this bret hart right here i believe he felt like he should have been the main event wrestlemania he's been in his championship match he should have beat Shawn michaels like he I, as we know he's really big on people who have never put him over like hogan sean etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. Even though sean has put him over in the past but the point is like he wants when you should be, be, be putting me over you need to put me over right This was just pure, unadulterated anger. And so then you have Austin cut him off on the big screen and said, oh my God, Brett, you're a loser. I tried to help you because it could be me and you for the championship, but you can't win because you're too much of a loser. It was just great. So then you have everyone fighting outside. Shawn Michaels comes. Raw ends on just pure chaos. One of the best endings to Raw ever, especially during that era. And I'm sure there's times I haven't thought about but I'm telling you right now, this is one of the best endings to Raw. Ep- and it's also one of the best go-home shows to WrestleMania uh, or endings of all time. Like, to me, the best video package to a WrestleMania main event was the My Way with Limp Bizkit and The Rock in Austin, where Austin's like, I need to beat you, Rock, more than you can imagine. Like, to me, that's the best video package WWE's ever done. To me, this is not top. not top It's top three of the best going-home segments into a WrestleMania, this thing got me hyped for WrestleMania. And I wasn't hyped. I still wasn't hyped to see Taker Sid, because I wasn't a Sid fan. But this got me hyped. Then we have WrestleMania 13, one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. It's top 10 in almost everybody's book in WrestleMania matches. It's the perfect double turn, the only double turn in WrestleMania history, but it's the perp- per purpose? It's the perfect double turn of all time, you literally have Austin. It was already Chicago. It was a weird crowd. The glass breaks for Austin, and you, you see Austin. If you read his lips, says you. are Goddamn right. Brett was getting booed on his way out. No, he still the face though, and everything he did just it just gained him it just gained him more heat. Then Ken Shamrock being a part of this moment. Um, I know he's not on the best terms with WWE, but see to me, Ken Shamrock in '97, '98 was crucial to certain things because he was a part of some great moments winning king of the ring you know to me if shamrock was there two years earlier he would be that he would have been a former wwe champion um but yeah this was just pure unadulterated greatness and it was just the perfect match where it mixed uh i do agree with Jim in this. it mixed old school with where they were going new school you had the blood and the guts but you also had Just pure and adulterated wrestling from two great workers. This is before Austin became a pure brawler. Um, You can watch this match back a thousand times. The crowd goes crazy. Then to see the sharpshooter on and Austin never tap out. Austin passes out. Think about this. The only person that Austin ever tapped out to in WWE was Ken Shamrock when he was a heel. I mean, uh, excuse me, Kurt Angle when he was a heel in 2001. He didn't even tap out to Bret Hart. He passed out. Fantastic storytelling. Go watch this match if you've never seen it. On P, I will let you use my peacock to watch this match. It's fantastic. And that came off wrong. I love shooting my peacock. Ugh. Anyways, um, uh, I don't. They need to change that name now that I've said that. Um. Anyways, um, the night after all, at the same time that all this is going on, British Bulldog and Owen Hart are tag team champions, and as a matter of fact, I think they have all the gold at this point. No, they don't, not yet. Um, Rocky My still has the Intercontinental Championship. But the British Bulldogs still has the European Championship. They have the tag team championships, and they've been back and forth like for months now. It's clear they're going for a breakup here. And then Bret Hart comes out and they're about to have a match and he, he hugs them both and says, I love you. We need to be back together because now he's full heel. And that's when they form the new Hart Foundation. No one's ever called it New Hart Foundation, but the original Hart Foundation was just Anvil and Bret. This was a new, this is the only time I think you could ever say something new was actually good, <laughs> you know? Then you have Brian Pillman, you have Bret Hart, you have uh, Mianville, Bulldog, Owen Hart. Now you have all these things. But Bret is still on television, but he takes time off to has his knee sculpt, He has knee, knee surgery. Um, so he barely wrestles the next several months. Um, all while this is going on, him and Shawn Michaels actually have a real fight, a shoot fight, where Shawn Michaels walks out of the company for a couple months. Um meanwhile, Brett gets back to action at which is people have said this is universally the greatest in your house of all time, Canadian Stampede. Believe it or not, I have never seen this pay-per-view in its entirety. It's only a two-hour show. It's a four-match card. I believe it's Triple H versus Mankind, Vader versus Urtaker for the WWE Championship, and that 10-man tag, and I can't remember what the fourth match was off the top of my head. Um but this is universally praised as the greatest in your house. Now I don't think people mean that this is like the greatest in your house show uh, as a whole. I think they mean it's a great. I think they, what they mean to say is it's the greatest in your house main event. And I've only seen pieces of. It. I've seen the end. I've seen the middle, but I've never seen it in its entirety uh, as a whole. I mean, I, I, take it back. I've seen it in its entirety, but I've seen it's kind of like watching a movie. You keep fall asleep. You've seen the entire movie, but you haven't seen it all together. Essentially, I have seen the whole thing, just not all together. Um, I think it gets that praise because of the talent that was in it. Mind you, it's the Heart Foundation, the names I just named. Then you have LOD, Legion of Doom, Steve Austin, Gold Dust, and Ken Shamrock. And I think the, the, the way they set up the next couple months. I think, was the best part about it. Even though there were some unfortunate things that happened the next several months, like Brian Pillman passing away, and Brett in the contract situation. Um, So, we move forward, and the the Heart Foundation wins. And it's the last time that all of them were together. If you think about that show, it's kind of sad, because it's the last time they're all together in the same... In that atmosphere. In the happy atmosphere. Um... So then we get to SummerSlam 97, Heart and Soul, one of the most anticipated SummerSlams of all time. You have so many matches. You have Bret versus Austin versus, excuse me, Austin versus Owen for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. You have Bulldog versus, <coughs> excuse me, Ken Shamrock for the European Championship. You have uh Brian Pillman versus Goldust. You you have um, Bret Hart versus Undertaker. Bret Hart loses. He can never wrestle in the United States again. But Shawn Michaels is the special guest referee. And this just is just crazy. And so, the main event went a little too long for my liking. I think Bret and Taker have always had better... I think this is one of their weaker matches, but there were so many things that had to happen. Like, you know sean is the guest referee there's so many different atmospheres that you had to have at once right so it's kind of just whatever um but this is where brett spits in sean's face sean goes and nails brett with a chair brett ducks he destroys the undertaker's head with a steel chair brett pins him sean reluctantly counts because sean couldn't be biased sean had to count to three or else he couldn't wrestle either i believe ever get he to retire brett then becomes the only two time excuse me only the second person to become a five-time wwe champion um so this was it it, that everything built to that you have sean as a complete heel now brett's a heel these two hate each other this time and then you have just undertaker who got screwed and obviously, this match lost a little. I think the pay per view loses a little bit of steam when you realize. Um, hmm. Hmm. Huh. How do I put this? How do I want to put this? I don't know if steam is the right word. It loses something now. It loses something when... Um, it loses something. I guess steam is the right word. Sorry for having dead air. But it loses something just a couple matches before when Austin has dropped it on his neck. And he's the hottest thing going outside of... He's literally the hottest babyface going. And so it, it loses something. I guess steam is the right word. Anyways. Um, then this leads to a bunch of random matches with the Patriot for the WWE Championship. Flag matches. He was... This is going to sound crappy to say, but he was an afterthought in the fifth title. If he thought he was an afterthought in his third title reign, he was an afterthought in his fifth title reign. Because <laughs> Antigua and Sean had never touched to that point. They, I don't even think they had been in the ring together unless it was a Royal Rumble. And they were... S- there was a, they may have in the next two pay per views. Ground Zero, which is a very underrated match because of what they did the next month, and in a smosh. I just made that word up. And then you have the Hell in a Cell. He was on the undercard on both of those. And he shouldn't have been in the main event. No disrespect to the Patriot. They should not have been main eventing the Patriot and Bret Hart over Sean Undertaker. Period. Bottom line um so you have he's kind of an afterthought but while all this is going on he is uh told that he cannot be paid and so he's released to negotiate for wcw and so he does he gets the contract he wants but then brett uh then Vince realizes oh i can pay you but by that time he'd already signed a contract which leads into the montreal screw job which we're not going to get into because we've already been through there and you can just go in the archives and check that out So that is the wrestler profile for Bret Hart SummerSlam or Survivor Series 95 to um, 97 Survivor Series. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Enjoyed the Monday show all together. I will let you guys hear me on Wednesday. We are out.